scripture reading today is taken from Genesis chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. Again, that's Genesis 6, verses 17 through 19. It's found on page 7 in the Pew Bibles. And behold, I myself am bringing flood waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all the flesh in which is breath of life. Everything that is in it on earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark, and keep them alive with you, and they shall be male and female. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you are a guest, again, we welcome you here. It encourages us that you're here, and we hope that we can be an encouragement to you. Uh, it is great to have Abby and Abigail and Nathan and Noah with us. And as already said, too, it's great to have Austin with us. What a talented young man and just a pleasure to work with. And we are thankful for the many, many ways that God blesses us. As a matter of fact, that's kind of what we want to do in August is spend a week thinking about the many ways that God blesses us. And so if you haven't marked out on your calendar, at least August 13th and 14th, we're encouraging you, we're begging you, we're pleading with you, block out those dates right now because those are huge dates in the life of our church family here as we will celebrate a 125 year anniversary and homecoming. We're not going to go into details here, but just so you get the idea of what's happening on Tuesday of that week, the ladies class that has met for so long on Tuesdays, many, many decades will be honored and appreciated with a luncheon. Wednesday evening, we'll have an old fashioned prayer meeting. Thursday, we'll honor uh, with a meal uh, appreciation to past and present elders Friday night past and present secretaries and ministers, Saturday morning, a breakfast for past and present deacons, a brunch for young men that grew up here that are now in full-time ministry and any of you that were part of the 2020 vision, that makes you feel really good. And we'll tell you more about that sometime if you've never heard that story. It's amazing how God worked. And then everybody will come together on Saturday afternoon for a picnic at the park. And then there'll be a huge youth group reunion and uh, we were able to get four of our past five youth ministers and really the only five full uh, paid youth ministers we've ever had. Bill Spate Jr., John Thomas, Phil Wagner, Philip Jenkins will all be here. And part of the time you'll be out with your particular group and part of the time you'll come together that evening for everybody together. And then Saturday morning we'll have worship together. We'll eat under the tent at one o'clock. We will have a, a homecoming program and at two o'clock roughly, at two o'clock we'll have a worship together. Uh, just because of the events of, of this day and this weekend, very, very likely, even though this wasn't really the plan, it's just probably going to happen this way. It'll probably be the biggest Sunday that we've ever had as a church. And it's pretty exciting to think about. And so uh, don't miss that and uh, be be uh, looking forward to it. And we give God all the glory for the way he has blessed us over the last 125 years. And we want to share that with each other and uh, and thank God for it. Also, not too far off, we want to remind you 
that we have a wonderful marriage and relationship seminar coming up June 24th and 25th. There are two sessions on Friday night and there are sessions also on Saturday morning. For those of you that are members here, there's childcare available for you. We're not per se advertising childcare out to the community, just not sure how many would come, encouraging people to have their own childcare out in the community, but everybody's invited to come and be a part of this. Lonnie Jones is the one that's presenting and he is a licensed counselor and a powerful uh, speaker and presenter of marriage seminars. And uh, he's the type of guy that guys, you guys will enjoy hearing, guarantee you. And so if you're a little bit reluctant thinking, I don't like to go to those things, I assure you, you will enjoy coming to this one. Uh, it is, it will be a tremendous time together. Also, we're so thankful as we had Thrive Day last Sunday, encouraging our high school graduates to, to be faithful and to thrive in the varsity years. Uh, many of you hit this number, uh, a lot of you hit this number and we're thankful. So just in case you weren't here last week and you want to stay up to date and you're in the varsity age, text 81010 at MJ Varsity and you can have the updates of classes Sunday morning, Wednesday night, as well as events throughout uh, the summer. And we want to give a reminder and for some of you, it may be new information. Your Sunday morning Bible class has been changed as far as the location. It will now be in the downstairs fellowship area. So immediately after this, if you're varsity age, uh, go to the downstairs fellowship area and that will be uh, your Sunday morning uh, Bible class area. And with that in mind, if you, any of you here are planning on in future weeks uh, going to Bible class and then late service, uh, we will lock that particular door. You know, there's four doors in the rear of our building. That particular door will be locked uh, right at the time Bible class is starting so individuals not be walking through their class, but there are several other options for you to pass through. All right, one last quick thing. Uh, our greeters just do a tremendous job. Just makes you smile and, 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 and you're glad to walk in with such great friendly greeters. If you texted Steve last week, steve.sanders at mountainjuliet.org saying, hey, I'm willing to serve as a greeter and he did not hit you back, that means he didn't get it. We've had a little bit of email trouble, so try again, okay? And, and here's the other thing that I should have said to you last week, but when you don't know it, you can't say it, right? Uh, if you say you want to help with this, you're on a rotation of just once a month. So if this is something that you can do once a month uh, for a, a period of time, uh, please let him know. We need greeters Sunday morning, Sunday night, and, uh, and both services Sunday morning. And so it's a great, great ministry that really doesn't require a lot, but it sure gives a lot. And so we hope that you'll be a part of that. Here we begin a short series on covenants because we're thinking about marvels of God this year. And really, if you stop and bask and just contemplate some of God's God's greatest works that he's ever done, the way God makes and keeps covenants, <laughs> unbelievable. It really is a marvel when you study God's covenants. The story of Noah and the flood is not a child's story. We oftentimes look to the aspect of that story that describes the salvation of Noah and the animals. And for good reason, we paint that on our nursery walls and we paint that on the hallway walls. And so oftentimes when we talk about this story, 
if we're not careful, that's the only part we really focus on. This is one of the first times in scripture that the idea of God, of man's wickedness, God's judgment, his grace and salvation is clearly pictured in its entirety. If there is a story at the beginning of the Bible that kind of tells the story of the rest of the Bible, this is it. And so here we see this picture by Danby, Francis Danby in the 1840s, the deluge. And if we were really going to paint a realistic picture of the flood, as, as much as we could focus on Noah and his family and the animals safe in the ark, which is a beautiful part of the story, we also picture what it would be like to see people and animals and flooding waters compete for the high mountaintops and to see eventually that God's judgment is true. That when he said all living creatures on the earth would die, except for those on the ark. When God gives a covenant, it comes true every time. And so I'd like for you to think with me this morning about this tragic story. And this tragic story goes back to the wickedness of mankind in its beginning. And really it even begins before this story. We go back to Genesis, the third chapter, and we see the sin of Adam and Eve. And then we go to the fourth chapter and we see the sin of Cain murdering his brother Abel. And then we go to the end of the fourth chapter and we see one of Cain's descendants, Lamech. He also was a murderer. And then we come to the sixth chapter and we see that the wickedness of man had, had grown much more than, than just a few pockets of wicked people here or there. Instead, imagine this description here in Genesis, the sixth chapter in verse five, Genesis, the sixth chapter in verse five. Then the Lord saw, now notice how each word or phrase is a greater emphasis on how wicked things had become. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made them on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. This wickedness is, is badness, it's wretchedness. And now notice what this wickedness was. It says it was great. When you look up great in, in, in a lexicon, the one I looked in, the Hebrew word, the first description was abundance. In other words, sin was abundant. It wasn't just a pocket of wickedness here and here. It was abundant. But then notice that next phrase that we have highlighted. Every intent of the thoughts. Now, again, the Hebrew for that would be described in this way. A thing framed. If you do a word study on that Hebrew word that is translated here, the intent of the thoughts. In other words, it's a thing framed. When we think about a movie and we break it down frame by frame by frame, if we took your thoughts and we broke down your thoughts or your actions frame by frame by frame, can you imagine becoming a civilization where God would look down and say, it's so abundant. God, how abundant is this wickedness? 
every frame of their life. You look at them at home, you look at them at the workplace, you, you look at them in their entertainment, just look at them. Well, how wicked that that wickedness of their heart was only, the word only means limitation. You can only take one thing with you. Okay, so this frame is gonna be filled with what? Only limitation, this one thing, only evil. Continually, the Hebrew there has to do from sunset to sunset. You know, if someone said, I want you to do this sunset to sunset, you'd say, 24 hours? That's nonstop. That's right. Continually. What a sad description. Whenever we start moving our life to the point that our life is more and more and more about badness, about wickedness. And you know what's interesting? When we do that, we truly are just defiling the home we live in. You know the old expression? Well, they just made their bed and they're going to have to lie in it. Someone that says that that's being a little bit calloused and not showing mercy or graciousness. But I want you to hear that statement for just a moment as reality. If you choose for your mind and your life to be continually upon wickedness, you're going to change your little world that you live in. And the little world you live in is not going to be a happy and a positive and a holy and a peaceful life. When the world became full of wickedness, I'd like for you to notice the description in verse 13. Genesis 6 and 13, what do you think when everybody started thinking and acting in a wicked way? How do you think that changed the earth? Look at 6 and 13. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence and through them and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Lord, what's their home like now? They were living on the earth. What's their home like? Their home now is filled with violence. Where's the peace? Where's the goodness? Well, it doesn't exist. Why? Look what you've invited into your life. Look what your heart is meditated upon. Look what your mind's thinking about. And you know, the reality that's sad is that oftentimes, the further we get from God, the more engrossed and full our life becomes with sin. And the reality is we don't even realize what's happening oftentimes. And oftentimes we have taken the little world we live in and we have totally ruined it and we're not even aware of it. The world in that day and time had no desire to turn from where they were. We know that Noah was called a preacher of righteousness. He urged people to turn away from that type of life and nobody wanted to turn away. Do you realize the destruction you're living in? Do you realize the violence you're living in? Yeah, and we like it. How can you like it? Sin blinds us unless we're willing to allow the light of God and righteousness to give us insight And so we see that man's wickedness is a part of this story, but we also see that this story is full of God's judgment. You remember Romans 1 and 18? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteous of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. It is wonderful to think about the grace of God, but you cannot appreciate the grace of God until you understand the wrath of God. 
And when you understand that God's wrath is stirred against all sin, it will leave all of us saying, what can I do then? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if God's judgment is against sin, what am I to do? And that's literally what this is about. Look at Genesis 6 and 17. And behold, this is what God says. I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Everything that's on the earth shall die. God, what is that? God would say that's judgment. You see that language that it shall die, that's the same language. You remember back in Genesis, the second chapter in verse 17, when he was telling them the fruit they could eat and the fruit they could not eat. You remember when he said in 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in that day you eat of it, you shall die. What's that? That's judgment. You remember language like that in Ezekiel, the 18th chapter in verse 20, the soul who sins shall die. Lord, what, what about this flood? He says, listen, I'm casting judgment. I'm going to allow this flood in a sense to be a type of day of judgment. And those that want to live in their violence, they want to live in their wickedness. The soul that sins, they shall die. Well, there's no hope for the human race then. Noah wasn't perfect. He was a sinner. But wait a minute. Even though we're reading in the Old Testament, of course, very early in the Old Testament, when people say that that the God of the Old Testament had no grace. They don't know God and they don't know scripture. Look at Genesis, the sixth chapter and verse eight. In the midst of God's judgment, there's always a glimpse of grace. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. Noah walked with God. And so we, we see man's wickedness. We see God's judgment. And we see that glimpse of wonderful hope in God's grace. And it's in all of this that God approaches Noah and he says, you and me, we're going to make a covenant with each other. And in a sense, Noah has to answer. And the way Noah answers is through his actions. Look at this, if you will, in the 18th verse of Genesis, the sixth chapter. Imagine God walking up to Noah and imagine him saying this to Noah. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wife with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. What was that covenant about? It's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? The verses before that, he told him, he said, hey, I'm gonna destroy everything on the earth, but I'm gonna make a covenant with you. You can build an ark. And he told him exactly how to build it, how long, how wide, how high, how to construct it, what kind of wood, how to put pitch inside and out. And then in that, he turns around and says, 
This is the covenant I'm giving you. You can do this and live. And the animals can live also the two by two. Now the question is, what's Noah going to say? <laughs> I've never seen a rain and you're telling me about a flood? I've never seen a big boat and you're telling me about a massive boat? You really expect me and my family to live on a boat with animals? What about when God asks you to do something in his covenant that doesn't make sense to you? What about when God asks you to do something that in reality you've never seen yourself do it? Can you imagine reading something in the Holy Word of God and then your answer is, but I've never done that. So? Why does it make a difference if God has asked it? And so notice his answer, and this is a beautiful description. In verse 14 of Genesis, the sixth chapter, he told Noah, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, and he told him exactly how to build it. And now skip down to verse 22, and notice the description of Noah. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did. Isn't it interesting that the one that found grace in the sight of the God was the one who walked with God, who surrendered his life to God. And isn't it interesting as this gracious God is throwing out a scheme of salvation, he's throwing out a way of salvation. Hey, Noah, the flood's coming. Now you could make this ark and you could make it just as I've said and you could be saved. Isn't it interesting that the one who found the grace of God was also the one who obeyed God? Now, just because we obey God does not mean we deserve to be saved. And so this salvation of Noah wasn't a works. Deserved, merited salvation. But the idea that he did have to work, he had something he had to do, he had something he had to respond to, well, I don't have to tell you that's the way it was. Just read the Bible and see if that's the way God said it was. Noah had to decide, am I going to keep the covenant? And Noah believed God. And Noah kept the covenant. As a matter of fact, as we look in the seventh chapter and in verse one, I don't know how into this lesson you are. I don't want you to tell me either, okay? But if you're really into this lesson, into this text, we can just take a very powerful pause. When you try to imagine at this point, imagine God so upset with the violence of mankind. Imagine God's mercy as he reaches out to save the human race through one righteous man. Imagine that gracious scheme of Noah, I know this is going to be a lot to ask of you, but I'm going to ask you to build a big boat and it's going to take you a long time, but son, I'm asking you to do it. And you imagine he works all of those years to build the boat. And imagine that huge boat sitting there and imagine the seventh chapter in verse one. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you and all your household because I've seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. I want you to think what the future is. 
whether he comes into that ark or not, there's a flood coming. I want you to think of the past. The only reason that that ark is there for him to come into is because God has been gracious. The only reason that that ark is there for him to come to is because Noah has been obedient. The only reason we're in this situation to begin with is because we are all sinners. And the reason we know that that flood is coming is because God always keeps his covenants. Noah, it's time. Come into the ark. You talk about the difference of life and death. You talk about losing your whole family. Noah, come into the ark. Today there might be someone here that's not saved. And this story is a keen reminder of our need for salvation. As the Savior says, come unto me. All you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. It is in this moment that we see that pivotal moment of once Noah and his family walked into that ark, they were in such a different situation than everybody else on the earth. Others would have probably been mocking them. <laughs> it's not even any water around that boat. That guy has lost his mind and his family even believes it too. Did you see them go in that boat with all those animals? Scoffing, mocking, ridiculous, foolish. God always keeps his covenants. And the rain came and according to Genesis 7, the 19th chapter, the waters covered the highest hills under the heaven. There was no hill high enough for anyone to escape the judgment of God. If you and I do not want the grace of God, if we do not want the salvation of God, where are we going to hide when the judgment of God is rendered upon us? There is nowhere. And so how beautiful the grace of God is. Tonight, we're going to come back and look at the end of this story where he deals with a second covenant that he gives. And then we're going to flip around, contrary to what's in the bulletin about the PM service topic, and we're going to spend a little bit of time of just giving some introductory thoughts about covenants. Like if you had to write a paragraph right now of like, what is a covenant? 
would you be able to explain what a covenant is? And so if we're going to study about this for a few weeks, it'd be good for us to really know what we're studying about. And so this morning, would you be humble enough to admit that you're a sinner? Would you admit that you need a savior? And do you know the grace of God? Do you know how much he loves you? Do you know that Jesus died for you? And as he told Noah, come into the ark, are you ready to come into the sun? Are you ready to come to Jesus? And if you have never come into Christ to be baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins, why not this morning? Why not this morning? Every one of us leave here understanding our wickedness, God's judgment that offers grace and respond to him. If you've begun that walk with the Lord somewhere in your past, but also somewhere in your past, you've left the Lord and you want to come back this morning and confess sin and pray forgiveness. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to help you in every way we can. If this study this morning just leaves a lot of questions and, and you just want to ask some questions, talk to us sometime. We see any of us ministers, ask anyone here and they can either help you or point you in the right direction. We'd love to just sit down and study God's holy word so that we can find answers from God to life and eternity's most important questions. If we can help you come as we stand, as we sing.